1: Many times in the past few years, we've seen news stories about sexual abuse by religious leaders. As children, were taught to trust priests, rabbis, and other clergy, but that trust is sometimes broken. Victims of child sexual abuse typically do not report the abuse out of shame or fear. And when the offenders are clergy, the impact on the child can be even more devastating. And the religious organizations often hide the abuse. Good morning, I'm Bernie Lucas. For the next few minutes, we'll explore this complicated, frustrating topic with clinical psychologist, Dr. Cynthia Post. Good to see you, Cindy.
0: Good to see you too, Bernie.
1: Um, Just in the past fall, past few weeks really, uh, another local priest in Northwest DC was accused of child abuse. Um, DC Archbishop Worrell resigned after admitting to covering up years of reported abuse by area priests. Bishops and the Pope are finally dealing with this publicly. The issue is not limited to Catholic priests, but they are in the spotlight. Is all this publicity helping the survivors feel empowered to tell their stories?
0: I do I do think it's helping. I think it's helping a great deal. I think that once society at large begins to endorse that this is not acceptable, that it rises beyond the level of just the community you grew up in, it becomes something that the world at large feels is important and valuable and that the survivors feel supported and cared about.
1: Yeah. Well let's let's look into the child's mind. It seems like a child knows it is wrong or bad, so why don't children tell their parents say the first time it happens or maybe maybe they don't tell them ever.
0: You know, I think that children one of the things that children are taught that is very clear is respect your elders, you know, people in positions of authority. We, as your parents, certainly if you belong to church, people who are in charge of the church, particularly priests, that you should be listening to people that are adults. And in some families, the priest is quite revered, you know, really looked up to, admired, deeply loved, almost like a family member. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that this person who perhaps your parents are, are speaking of in, in adoring terms is actually behind closed doors doing things to you that make you really uncomfortable, it might be very confusing to understand what that means. And then the priests themselves might be talking with you in a way that makes you feel like you should be thinking this is okay. So this is someone that is an endorsed person in your community at large. In particular, your parents may be supporting this person and feel very positively inclined. And then the person who you've always looked up to is also telling you, that this isn't a problem and that you should trust and believe them and so you're geared already to believe the authority figure and then this is a particular person, important person in your life. In the Catholic Church, the priest is a very important person.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: So for all kinds of reasons, it's all, you know it's kind of stacked in the wrong direction against the child to be able to trust their own experience. They're not being given the message that they should trust their own experience
1: and then maybe after the first time um, it happens again, how do they allow it to happen again? Or is it kind of the same thinking?
0: Well, once you're kind of in the groove of something happening and somebody is reinforcing with you that this isn't a problem, even though you have an uneasy feeling, if the world around you is supporting this person and this is a highly regarded individual in a part of your family life, your religious life, that's also super important, then you're not wanting to sort of fight that system, I think. Mm -hmm. And when I say that they're not supported and being able to share, I don't mean that these are not families that are supportive of their children. And even they could be very open, supportive, loving families where they talk honestly. But if the message about that person is a very positive message, and of course the parents don't know this, then they wouldn't know to draw the child out about this. And the child feels so uncomfortable because this person who's such a positive figure they actually have some news about this person that doesn't fit with the, with the package.
1: Right, right.
0: So it's a really hard thing for a child to process. And child, let's keep in mind, I mean, anybody under the age of 12 doesn't have formal operations thinking on board. Mm-hmm. So their thinking is concrete. So they can't like think about thoughts yet. Their thinking is concrete, it's about what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so their ability to reason and process well, even though I don't feel comfortable and my parents are positively inclined toward this person, how do I sort that out as a young child?
1: Mm-hmm. So then the child thinks, so this must be OK. Yeah,
0: they don't know how to think about it. Right. And when in doubt, if it's whose fault is this or if there's something wrong, what's the problem? They're inclined to blame themselves because they can't blame an adult because they need the adults in their family or right. in their church.
1: Yeah. Wow. Um So child abuse is a terrible thing and and probably impossible to forget, yet the survivor can keep it to themselves for decades. Why does it take so long for someone to come forward?
0: Um, The way that I think about that is I, I think of it similarly to the way that I think about an alcoholic. First of all, once you admit this, then you're admitting something that is really uh, makes your life a miserable experience to realize that you are doing something that is really unacceptable in society mm-hmm. for which you will probably do a lot of jail time and then in addition to that like an alcoholic once you say i'm an alcoholic you have to look at all the things that that alcoholism means and the same thing is true for a sex offender
1: yeah now i'm thinking well in this case in this case i'm thinking of the person who's who's been who's the survivor and and they're keeping this to themselves, and it takes them a long time to either admit it or admit it out loud.
0: Okay, so in that case, the reason that the person waits so long, well, in some cases they actually don't even really remember it; it's so repressed. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that people who are abused do is they utilize a defense mechanism called dissociation, mm-hmm. and so they actually kind of detach from, from themselves and actually sometimes in some cases actually forget that it even happened. This is called dissociative amnesia. Uh And so it isn't until much later when something reminds them, there's some kind of a trigger or some kind of a reminder that reminds them of something that reminds them that this happened and then there's a whole flood of memories that come back. So sometimes it can truly be as a result of just not remembering. Mm -hmm. And in some cases it's a, a matter of, you know, if the if the church is really still central in your life and in your family, and you don't want to be a problem and um, be saying negative things about something that's such an important part of the structure of the society you live in, yeah, those are all really big reasons. I think it, it's it's not exactly acceptable to say something like this.
1: Yeah. So it's so it's yeah. happened, and and the the person didn't didn't think there was anything necessarily wrong because of everything that you've just just said. and then maybe it stopped happening and they just sort of moved on and forgot about it. And then all this publicity for these kinds of things comes out and maybe triggers that memory.
0: It, it could be the publicity too, for sure. yeah. Like there was that um, there was a movie uh, a series called The Keepers. Mm-hmm. So that's an example of a show that was on um, that those kinds of things if a person had been abused and watching that show could trigger them.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, So so it's not so much they might even think it's wrong, but then they kind of push it out of their mind because there's so many other pieces pieces of their life that they can't kind of hold that news and they don't feel prepared to do anything about it. So they just kind of deny it to themselves. They might even, in the background, be aware of it. Mm-hmm. So it may be that it's truly pushed out of their consciousness yeah. or that they're aware of it and they push it aside.
1: Right, right and this can have a, a kind of a lifelong effect. I mean, how, how does this kind of thing impact their lives, maybe their relationships as they grow into adulthood?
0: No, I mean, it impacts so many different parts of life. You know, when a when a revered figure who you look to and leaned on and trusted ends up being someone who you later understand really you couldn't trust and you were right not to feel safe with them, mm-hmm. it just um, wreaks havoc with a person's system of trusting other people in the world. yeah their friends, possible relationships, how they conduct themselves and in, in how they think about other people. yeah so many levels of life how you feel about yourself, how you feel about your relationships with other people mm-hmm. everything.
1: yeah uh, we started to talk about the, the offenders and because and, uh, we're talking about the survivors mostly but you know the offenders what are some things that that lead somebody to abuse children?
0: So even separate from priests or not priests, right. just offenders in general, mm-hmm. you know, I actually ran groups for sex offenders mm. when, I, when I was doing my doctoral work in, in California. And um, I, so what I understand from their histories is that they often were abused mm. as children themselves. So it's that cycle. The cycle of yeah. abuse is very much alive and well. Yeah. And when you look back at their histories, there's sort of is often a slow growing... Um, pattern of increasing abusive behaviors over time. You know, maybe they started out peeping. Um, Maybe then they moved to exposing. You know, maybe then they went on to be actual touching sex
1: offenders. Mm -hmm. So in the case of of clergy, it would seem there's opportunity as as part of the mix too, right? Yes,
0: absolutely. And so unfortunately in our society, when we're looking at the issue of abuse, you know, this is a particular type of abuse we're talking about today, Bernie, which is priest abuse, which right, is a particular right. um, abuse of power. Right. Um, but so many of these people are Boy Scout leaders, or or they're, um, you know, known as the Citizen of the Year. They get an award. So there's this compartmentalized part of them that is um, this negative underbelly. And then in the rest of the world, they're compensating, and they're almost like making themselves feel better by doing all these other wonderful things. And sometimes, in many cases, they're abusing their power in their roles with children. Mm-hmm. But they look like a great person.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And in many ways, they are a great person, except for when they're not.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Except yeah. for when they're actually hurting children.
1: Yeah. Um, in the case of, of priests, it seems like the um, the targets are usually boys. Is that true?
0: Um. It it can be boys, but it also is girls. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are sex offender who are sex offenders who are more directed toward girls, and some who are more directed toward boys.
1: Yeah, yeah. In fact, I think the one I mentioned at the beginning here most recently was the the um, uh, the the target was a girl, or at least in the the first story. Then others came out when that first one came out, so there were more people mm-hmm. potentially.
0: Yes, exactly. Wow,
1: um, and. Our interviews always fly, so we're down to the last couple of minutes. Wow, already. I can't believe it! I know it seems like we just started, and we and we even before I could tell our listeners, even before we started this, we decided we're going to cover this topic yes, again in much more. I think depth, we need to, yeah, yeah, you know, down the line. But mm-hmm. in in the remaining couple of minutes, anything else that you would like to to add or emphasize or repeat?
0: When I was in California, I also did child abuse prevention in three school districts, which was quite. Progressive for the state of California at the time Mm -hmm. and I was talking to children, adolescents and adults about child abuse prevention and I guess I would just wish that parents would learn this very clearly that it's great to send children messages that um, they should respect their elders, but that they should also respect themselves Mm -hmm. and that they should feel comfortable to admit and be honest with their parents even when they have something unpopular to say. And I'm not talking about rebelling or pushing back. I'm talking about what I would say to the little kids is that uh uh-oh feeling. Mm -hmm. Like when you have a feeling inside of you that something just doesn't feel quite right about what's happening, that the parents would definitely make sure to let the kids know, hey, if you feel uncomfortable, we care about that. And we don't care who you feel uncomfortable with. We want to hear about it. Yeah. I don't think that parents ever intend to send the message, we don't want to hear about it. But you've, if you don't explicitly say we do want to hear about it, then that is the conclusion that children will draw. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's all true except for the priest. Well, no, the parents never said that, but mm-hmm. they like the priest so much. How could I possibly tell them that about the priest? Right. Even if they've done a lot of child abuse prevention talks, like I just said, mm-hmm. at home, if they don't specifically say we don't care who it is or what you want to tell us, we want to hear from you if you're uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, very good. Well, we will we will end there for this conversation, but we will have more on this topic. Uh, clinical psychologist Dr. Cynthia Post, always uh, good to see you and good to have these conversations.
0: Good to see you too, Bernie.
1: And if someone wants to reach out to you, how should they?
0: Cynthia Post, PhD.com.